are the categories that you're going to hold yourself up to. True righteousness. True giftings to others. Have you made yourself a special set of, you know, ambivalent, excuse-driven, um, you know, descriptions that don't condemn you, don't mean don't praise you that much? But when you start to look at what the church and what Paul is telling Titus to make judgments on the basis of the first thing is here in the next paragraph. To Titus, my true child in the common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. This is why I left you in Crete, that you might amend what was defective and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If any man is blameless, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of being profligate or insubordinate. Now that seems like one, that's the qualification right there. Appoint elders if a man is blameless and the husband of one wife and his family's worked out. But he goes into description of why. Verse 7, for a bishop as God's steward must be blameless. He said that at the beginning in verse 6. If any man is blameless, well, he must be blameless. So, just like the list of gifts of the Spirit in Corinthians are not there so that you would have a handy list for the gifts of the Spirit, they're there to describe, yes, what you already know is the case and encourage you to love one another and realize the body has got a diverse group of people in it. Here, we're not trying to go through the lists that are given. There is a, um, a benefit if we were to go back and study it about the corrective element of each one of these. But I want you to be thinking about who you are. Because until you stop and go, you know, frankly, I'm a bastard. I'm just awful. You ever suspect that somebody wants to tell you that? You're having tea, cucumber sandwiches. I believe that's what chicks eat in the afternoon. <laughs> Little tea, cucumber sandwiches. One of the girls looks up at the other and says, you know, Doris. Any of you named Doris? Good. Doris, you're just awful. You are just, you're an awful human being. And I thought somebody had to tell you. Wouldn't it be great for Doris to have figured that one out herself, by herself, and repented long ago? We need to know who we are. We need to know who we are like you're writing a resume. How you doing with the Lord? Well, not that bad. Could be better, sure. Oh, that, that kind of ambivalence, that kind of vagueness. You've written, you've written a resume before. You know you sound like a god when somebody picks up your resume because you said entirely true things, but just kind of the way you said it, and the things that aren't on the list, the five jobs you were fired from. You didn't talk about you in that circumstance or the fistfight you were in in a bar in Sacramento. It tells you, I left you in Crete to make these sorts of judgments about everybody. We have this need to know because our religion, you know, we, All Souls is part of a broader Near Eastern religion. I, you may not be familiar with it, but many have, have heard about it. Um, called Christianity. And 
we're in it for this. The improvement of the soul, the righteousness of the believer through Christ, the salvation of our lives eternally. Knowing what your resume is, knowing who you are, is your first step to getting it taken care of if you don't find that's good reading when you get to the list made. Because you're not just making a, a, a resume for the bishop. He must be blameless. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of goodness, master of himself, upright, holy, self-controlled. He must hold firm to the sure word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to confute those who contradict it. That's what, that's what he's supposed to figure out. That's what Titus is supposed to figure out about him. He should see that on the resume. So who are you? Are you going to be bishop material? My back hurts. I'm dead soon. Need somebody to... Carry on. Uh, you have to put on some weight. Just people expect things. Traditions. But we're not talking about whether or not we're going to get other more bishops, I mean, or whether we get more bishops without me being dead. The idea is whether or not you have a regular expectation because the Temple of Apollo in Delphi had it on their porch, said, Know yourself. Know yourself. You know, you will take care of some things if you know yourself. You ever remember that time you had to tell somebody to bathe more frequently than they did? It was rough go, but man, that sure helped all of civilization. Everyone who knew that person thanked you in their heart because you told them, bathe daily. Oh, and wash your hair. Now, I... some people who need to be told that in every generation. But thank God that someone did. If you didn't know that you didn't bathe enough, it's always young boys. You know, it's always boys. We had at the big house, 40 years at the big house, folks. 40 years of walking by an open door of a young man. It's it is horrifying. People who don't know don't do anything about it. People who don't know, don't do anything about it. And if you don't know yourself and you don't know the categories of the faith that you are supposed to be examining, let's say, if we judge ourselves truly, we shall not be judged. That's out of that Corinthians 11 passage on the, on the Lord's Supper. If we judge ourselves truly, we shall not be judged. We're setting our side, not just getting free of other people's unkind opinions. No, you're getting information about what you need to fix. But you have to be honest about this and concrete and specific. See how specific it is with the bishop? For there are many insubordinate men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially of the circumcision party. Do you realize the list is also negative? There are people that when you examine them in the company of believers are of the circumcision party, empty talkers, insubordinate, and deceivers. And the deceivers, you know what? 
A lot of times you can't tell. They're not all slaying you in the spirit, wearing a white jacket. You, it's just not all Joel Osteen. And you realize there are a lot more people in Joel Osteen's audience than there are in, oh, I don't know, Evans. Because deceivers are sometimes very good. And sometimes they're very sincere, just very wrong. Empty talkers, circumcision party, sometimes they come across as the most righteous people because they have the most law. People sound more righteous if they have to take on certain um, ritualistic practices. Do you know what the bad qualities are? They must be silenced, it says in verse 11. They must be silenced. Since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for base gain what they have no right to teach. One of themselves, a prophet of their own, said, this is Epimenides he's quoting here, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. The King James has it, slow bellies, because... It's the King James, yeah, 1600s, for heaven's sake. Slow bellies. That just captures it, doesn't it? You always expect a, a little mustache. It's kind of creepy. Do you have categories for examining you, your own righteousness, your own character, your own way of being, and how far you are from what God wants you to be, and how far people you are sitting under the teaching of? I know people who can't give up a teacher who is entertaining to them, has an English accent or something like that, you can't stop listening, um, even if he's saying things antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't even know what's going on. Someone like Titus has to come in and silence them. One of themselves, he mentions this. This creates the Epimenides paradox. Supposedly, since Epimenides is a, a Cretan, if their Cretans are always liars, is this a lie? That Cretans are always liars, which means that it, ah, my head explodes. That's not what the Bible's trying to teach, but this is the, the quote from which the... This testimony is true, verse 13. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Okay, first off, they've got to be silenced. You've got to know what's going on. You've got to know the categories of being that you can occupy. You've got to know the categories of being other people can occupy. Now, I spend all my time sitting in my library um, developing opinions that nobody pays me for. But I, that's why I enjoy doing it. So I have very strong opinions about what is the gospel and what is not the gospel. If you want to know what I think is the gospel, it's in the foyer or the bulletin board. If you want a copy of the poster, gave one, I made one for Jim the other day and made a few extra. So if anybody wants a copy of that poster, just let me know. Come by the house. I'll give you one. That's what I think the gospel is. And I don't think a number of things. 
say, well, you think this church is Christian? I'd say, no, I don't think that church is Christian. A lot of churches are Christian churches. A lot of wonderful believing churches in this town. But that doesn't mean that I don't think that certain things should be silenced, rebuked sharply that they might be sound in the faith. And someone who thinks the gospel of Jesus Christ is doing good to the poor, not believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, but doing good for the poor, which I recommend, but it is not the gospel. I've known dear Christians that I think have been saved for decades who think, when asked what the gospel is, think it's Christians out there being all social activists, which is fine. If you like that kind of thing, knock yourself out, but don't mistake it for the gospel. Don't think Christian rituals in Christendom make it Christian. That just means you're an easily deceived individual. You don't know what your categories are. You don't know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is something that you believe or don't believe. Because you're supposed to be, if you're not sound of the faith, you're supposed to be rebuked so that you won't give heed to Jewish myths or commands of men who reject the truth. And I'm watching Christians 2,000 years later, after this letter was written, still falling off the curb and knocking their head on that subject because the Jewish myths are too easy, too interesting. How many conversations have I been in about the book of Enoch? A lot. You think it should be in the Bible? No. I like it. Giving heed to Jewish myths or to commands of men who reject the truth. There are people who don't believe in Jesus Christ. They want to guide your life. Finding out what the categories of good are, what the categories of belief are, what the categories of unbelief are, what the categories of disobedience and unholy behavior is will help you write this resume. It goes on to say there in 15, to the pure all things are pure, but to the corrupt and unbelieving nothing is pure. Their very minds and consciences are corrupted. They profess to know God, yet they, but they deny him by their deeds. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good deed. Now, if you're not getting the hint out of this, there's an element in this about the Judaizing, the circumcision party, um, Jewish myths. It's letting you know that it's going towards um, people who don't understand the work of the new covenant by faith in you to make you a loving and a kind person, to make you good to other people and that feel the need to follow the law to get that. And their minds are corrupted. They think that's righteousness. They profess to know God but deny him by their deeds. Even St. Paul, before he was a Christian, Romans 7. I wanted to do what was right. with my. I served the law of God with my mind. I loved it with my inmost being, but I could not do it. They're detestable in their lives and there, well, I, was, I was watching something the other night with a, a woman um, who had a lot of, cl you know, claiming Christianity in her performances. And I know she's not that thing. 
These are people who might abuse the law of God. They might abuse the understanding of the faith. They might even abuse the grace of God because they're going to sin that grace may abound. They think they're better Christians because they have a lot of sins to confess. They end up detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good deed. Now, it lets us know in the chapter two here, it's higher up on the left-hand side. I, I said your bishop's resume, your Christian resume, your human resume. What are you up to? You gotta, you gotta come up with some things, some descriptors that really, and maybe you could ask somebody, you know? Maybe you could ask that friend, if your name is Doris, ask that friend for tea, find out. To say, I want you to tell me exactly what you think I need to hear. We used to do that back in the day in the big house before we had children. Um, the people would live with us or people who'd come over would say, can I take you out to coffee? Which was code for, you're going to tell me, this remember TJ's Pantry? Is that the best Western? 24 hour place. Go out for coffee and Evan and Leslie would tell them exactly what they needed to hear. Some people swore they were never going to ask us to coffee and Yea, verily, they did not. Some people, it was crushing to them. Other people, they denied everything we said. But whatever the case, we had that moment. It was great. It, I'm still available for coffee, but... Uh, we know that we have to figure these things out because it gets down into the trenches. It's not just... Okay, I, I, look, I don't want to be a pastor, for heaven's sake. I say, well, do you want to be a Christian? It's got some standards, yes. Your humanity has some standards, too. But it goes on in chapter 2, there in verse 2, bid the older men to be temperate. It goes through older men, older women, young women, young men. It gets down into where you are, and I want to know if you know where you are. For you guys cutting to the chase, the last one is young men. And it says, urge the younger men to control themselves. That was it. The only thing, okay, what do you want me to do, pastor? Well, just to, okay, this is, I know this is a big one. Control yourself. I don't know, pastor, that's really, that's rough. Just, well, the other's got a long list. You've got one thing here. But there are lists of things. Look at these things. Older men, be temperate, serious, sensible, sound in faith. Now, some of us, we're realizing this is a pretty young church, okay? I always thought it was me and my buds growing old together, and my buds not here no more. They didn't die. I think they just go to another church. But now it's all young people for the most part. Whatever you're trying to do, you want to do, you want to analyze it as the scriptures analyze it. Are you this or this in training? Temperate, serious, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. So your faith, love, and steadfastness is rock solid. Is that where you are? Would you, if you were writing a letter 
to another Christian friend. And I said, from Evan Wilson, who is, where's the lisp again? Sound in his love, his faith, and his steadfastness. To you, oh, what's a good name? Philip of Troy. Does this describe you? Because you will be described. I mean, I don't know if you knew this, but it's not a good thing, but people do gossip. Um, people have looking for something to talk about, and you're not there. Guess what they're talking about? You. People make the judgments. Timothy and Titus, or Titus here primarily, is required to make the judgment. Find these people. Bid them to do this. Bid the older women. Look at that. It says, bid the older men. Bid the older women, likewise, to be reverent in behavior. Not to be slanderers or slaves to drink. They are to teach what is good. Are you there? You're one of the older women? And are you teaching the younger women and so train the young women to love their husbands and children? Let's just admit something right now. There's a lot of women. You know, men are bastards. Women are just fat out crazy. Okay? Not all of you. Some of you. There'll be nobody here. I hope it's nobody here. But my goodness, the absence of these things, or the fact that nobody realizes that they don't know how to love their husbands, they don't know how to love their children. This is, not, this is presuming that this is an issue at the door. You go through puberty, you now know how to love a husband and children. They think they do. I like babies. You don't know how to love a child. I have a boyfriend. You don't know how to love a husband. And oh, verse 5, to be sensible. To be sensible. Because if that's not on your resume, I get to say, because it, I'm told to silence people and rebuke people here, and I'm supposed to teach what befits sound doctrine. I skipped over that verse 1 of chapter 2. As for you, teach what befits sound doctrine. This description of the life we have in Christ is not just some old-timey thing that inspires us when we read it in our devotions. It's supposed to be what I'm holding myself up against. Salvation, you've heard of it, right? We don't, since we don't have a kneeling rail down here and we don't have an altar call, not even a hymn at the end of the service, for you to get welled up in tears and repent, you got to think about your salvation a little more actually and concretely and realize that salvation is from you. Not from anything else. It's from you. Your decision generator sucks. The one that's in between your ears. What you've been about is just abysmal. You're just awful. This is not the most cheery sermon I've heard in a while. Well, I don't actually mean it about you personally. I, I want you just to ignore me. No, I want you to take into consideration that there are people here, not you, that your heart and prayer should be going out to so that they would hear that, yes, 
I need to admit, not only admit it, I need to admit it aloud, not to the church, but on my knees aloud with the words coming out of my mouth. I wrote, I haven't published it, two things, two confessions. One is the rat bastard's confession, and one is the bitch's confession, in which I have in the first person written out the things that those two kinds of people need to say. Because just hearing it come out of your own mouth, I say this, start describing you aloud before your God. Because there is a hurdle. You say, well, I don't think that prayer needs to be, oh, shut up. Oh, yeah, prayer does not need to be allowed, but you need it to be allowed. I've told that story many times. My dad and the kid who smoked, I want to become a Christian. I'm going to become a Christian, but I smoke. If I become a Christian, do I have to give up smoking? No, but because you asked, yes. If you don't want to say aloud on your knees in your closet what you need to say before God, you need to say it aloud. Because sometimes you don't hear it adequately. One of the points Tristan made the other night was in conversation. In conversation, we sometimes say things that come back ricocheting around the room into your own ears, and you find out something about you from something you said. You need to admit that you're horrid if you're horrid. Aloud. To God. Because only then, only then are you actually grasping at the horrors that someone might overhear you. I was doing some uh, pre-church, uh, well, special church magic, talking to the pianist over here about the first hymn. We do it every Sunday. Pat my wife on the back, ask her if she has a hymn she wants to sing, and she says no, and I say, okay, I'll come up with something, and then I come up with something and tell her, let's sing number three. And she says, I like number three. Now, that's the conversation of this morning. I was walking back to my place here. There's only 10 or 12 people in the audience. And I, my eye caught this. This is a condenser mic. Pointed at my conversation with my wife. Probably going out over the nation. What if I had said something, you know, mean or tender? You know you don't like people. Yeah, that's a big risk. Of, you, someone might hear me if I say it aloud. Yes, let's hope you do. Bid the younger women to be sensible, chaste, domestic, kind, and submissive to their husbands. Now, I don't think one of the things that one of the things that you want to consider is looking like lists like this, like a fruit of the spirit, Galatians, works of the flesh, also in Galatians. This is a great list of things that at least they're the categories. They're the categories of being that you should assess whether you have learned it. Say you're a young woman. You're not one of the older women who's teaching the younger women to be this, but say, you know, frankly, am I sensible or am I difficult? Some of you think you're more romantic being difficult. Now, 
<laughs> Just any guy who takes you is an idiot. Chaste. Domestic. I think I, I, think I can be arrested. Uh, in this town, at this time, if they knew I had just said that. Domestic. Are you? Are you getting that training from one of the older women in the community, the believers? Get the training. But at least start measuring. You like to cook? Yeah, I like to cook. I do cookies. No, that's not domestic. I've seen some women use a vacuum cleaner and they don't know how it works. Kind, submissive to their husbands. Double woke offense. I said domestic, I said submissive to their husbands. Why, in red, in bold, that the word of God may not be discredited. This is the Christianity, the religion you belong to. It wants old men to be this way, young men to be that way, old women to be this way, bishops to be that way, all Christians to be this way, and you have got to study what that this way is, what the categories are, and then you've got to write up your resume and say, you know, looking at this, have you ever talked to my father about, you know, romantic prospects, and he always says things like, make a list of what you're expecting. That's why I had to wait three days when I proposed to Leslie. The list wasn't done. Well, I had too many bad qualities. I passed. Make a list about yourself. Say it aloud. If there are bad things, say, you know, I, have a, I just have a tendency to be massively moody or petulant in situations. And on your knees, you need to say, Lord, I have a quality of being moody and massively petulant too frequently for anybody who serves you and Christ. And consequently, I'm a disgrace and a discredit to the gospel because the gospel was there to save you from that. Remember, you're being saved from you. God just, hell is just the punishment that you deserve. Let the word of God not be discredited. Now, it's going to be also included not just your qualities, but what you believe. When you look at what you believe, you have two choices. If, if you're getting a good judgment of who you are, if you're spending that time meditating on who you are, and you're coming up, well, you know, I haven't been strong about certain sins. I've been regularly, whatever, pick your list. Then I want to ask you a question. Do you believe your doctrine? Because you've got two possibilities. Either you're right in your doctrine about Jesus Christ, and it doesn't work, or you're wrong in your doctrine. So if you're a bastard, if you're just awful, if you're finding out that you either don't believe what you say you believe, and that happens more often than you think. People don't actually believe what they say they believe.
or what you believe is wrong. And it doesn't work. Again, just like anything else, the Lord is gracious in all these things. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. When I fall to my knees and aloud say, I'm a petulant problem, I am a moody this, that, or I'm an angry, or I'm a, you know, I'm a lustful, I'm a whatever it is. You fall on your knees, you say aloud, he knows your heart, he knows that you believe that you're wrong, and you're saying it aloud to him. And then when you realize that what you believe is wrong, or you don't believe what you claim to believe, and it was right, say that aloud to God too. He wants to know you're learning to be like him learning to share his notion of the universe and his notion of you because he's here to have his message credited, not yours. Show yourself in all respects a model of good deeds and in your teaching show integrity, gravity, and sound speech that cannot be censured so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say of us. You know what happens with true doctrine? Believed, it's lived. And the people who have true doctrine, believing it, living it, are a credit, and they win the argument because they have nothing evil to say of them. They're good people. Bid slaves to be submissive to their masters and to give satisfaction in every respect. There's a lot of things that are not woke in this passage, so fasten your seatbelts. They are not to be refractory. I mean, back chat, nor to pilfer. That means stealing stuff. I know he has more staplers than he needs. You can't take his staplers home. But to show entire and true fidelity. These are categories for a slave. Got it? If you're a slave, these are the categories. Entire and true fidelity. Don't be difficult. So that in everything, they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. That's what you're here for, is to adorn what it says we believe. And if you're not changed and you haven't spent the time going, you know, am I changed or not? What kind of person am I? Am I a credit to this thing called Christianity? I have to be. That's what he's called me to. For the grace of God has appeared for the salvation of all men. training us to renounce irreligion and worldly passions and to live sober, upright, and godly lives in the, this world, awaiting our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all iniquity and to purify for himself a people of his own who are zealous for good deeds. That's the purpose statement. That's thematic. That's where it says this is why the salvation has appeared. To, to not have these hidden faults of, of pretend religion dressed up, Christianity or actually worldly passions dressed up as Christianity. It's supposed to produce godliness. And if the Christians who have the potential of godliness aren't even measuring the godliness aren't even checking in to see whether or not I am a pleasure to my God and a credit to the gospel, we might be in for a hard go. Declare these things. Exhort and reprove with all authority. 
And I like this verse. Let no one disregard you. <laughs> I'll be at the door waiting for you to walk by. Grab you by the lapels, if you have lapels. No, I, I, just be aware that there are things that we are about. And just because I think highly we don't have a big church, I know you all personally. I think well of you all. Some of you are my friends. Um, the twins, primarily. The twins and, and uh, what's his name? Michael. Oh, yeah, Al and Allie, but they're leaving. That kind of measure where we get along and go along and allow things to be without stopping to consider whether or not we please our God, at least at home, aloud, on your knees, find out, declare what you need to declare to him, call on him for his grace. He's great in mercy. Be changed by the work of God so that we can be the kind of people who are not just getting along because we like each other, but that we say, you know, they're getting along at all souls because it seems like Jesus Christ is kind of central and his mercy to them, and they have watched themselves. So let's watch ourselves. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful. Help us know things we have to declare before you and ask your mercy for. Things that we can rejoice in because of the good you have done in us, the, the, uh, the peace you have brought into our lives by your Son. Lord, we would like to be an aware people. Aware of the wicked, aware of the righteous, with a good heart towards grace and mercy to those who need it but also standing away from those who will not seek it. Thank you for this body of believers, Lord. We are very grateful. In your son's name, amen.